Week number six this is our last week. Week number six, our final week of the cross or the sword. Choose your kingdom. Although I feel like for the rest of my life, that's all the message I'll ever preach. So I have an excuse to have a sword with me whilst I preach. So, uh, so what we're talking about uh, with the cross and the sword, if you haven't been here with us uh, on uh, week six, let me catch you up real quick. The main passage of scripture that we're using is coming out of Matthew chapter 26. And in this passage, we see where one of Jesus' disciples is trying to protect Jesus. Now, think about that for a second. Son of God, he needs protection. It was kind of silly, a silly thought process. Like, he's the son of God, he can handle himself, he's a big boy. But no, this disciple pulls out a sword and is like, I got you, Jesus, misses and gets the guy's ear. So not only was it silly that he tried, it's also silly that uh, he's not very good with the sword, clearly. So in this passage, what we're seeing is Jesus saying, listen, if you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. And he's like, look, I'm, if I wanted to, I could call 12 legions of angels to deliver me from this. But instead, Jesus chooses the cross. Let me be clear about that. Jesus chooses the cross when he had other options. Okay? And so we talked about what we've been talking about is the difference between the two. The sword, the way the world works, where another passage, Jesus tells them, look, the Gentiles take their titles, their authority, they wield it over people, they use it against people, but you're going to lay that down and be a servant. And Jesus in this passage lets them know, I have the option to use the sword. I have the option to bring all the angels to my defense, and I chose the cross. I chose to lay down my life for the, the sake of humanity, for the sake of people coming to know God. He lays down this ability in order to take up the cross, which tells us, that the cross is the most powerful thing. That the cross is the most powerful weapon in the universe. And we're going to choose to lay down our sword and pick up the cross. Not because it's what he's telling us to do, although that's the main reason. But secondarily to that, we recognize it is the most powerful weapon. That the, cro- the sword is only temporary. The cross is eternal. So we're going to pick up and wield the cross. Now, what I want to do as we conclude this series is maybe give you some some practical gauges for yourself internally to figure out why, when, and where you're about to wield the sword versus wield the cross, okay? So what I mean by that is the the disciple that decides that he's going to take out his sword had some emotions involved. He had something inside of him that said, "I, I, I I need to fix this situation. Jesus had already prophesied to them that he was going to the cross, but that wasn't good enough because this disciple had some concerns, some fears, some worries that he had to fix, so he's going to pull out the sword. And for us, I want us to be able to gauge when that moment is going to rise that we're going to choose the sword over the cross. Even when, as followers of Christ, we've said we choose the cross, but then we have these, this longing to come up and pull the sword out. Right? So what I would argue is that for, for most of us, if not all of us, uh, well, actually all of us, our goal is the fruits of the Spirit. Even, even in this moment, when he's pulling the sword, he still wants to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit are these, found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. It says, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So, so I think all of us, even the, the, the disciple in that moment, still longs to, to bear the fruit of love and joy and peace. It's just that you, don't, you can't quite get there by the way of the sword. 
And so what we all long for is this moment where when we're squished, when we're pressed, that the, the, the juice that squeezes out of us as fruit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. The thing is, is that you are going to get the fruit based on what seed you plant. You're going to get fruit based on what seed you plant. So if you choose to take and wield the sword, you will get the fruit of the sword. If you wield the cross, you get the fruit of the Spirit. And listen, if you're taking notes, I want you to recognize this, that the fruit of the Spirit is the only thing that satisfies the longing of your soul. That, that what we're experiencing and what I've recognized this week is that we're all like tired, like soul tired. And some of you are like, yeah, yeah. It, it, we're all, like there's this weird like global tiredness that is existing where even in the, in the midst of a global pandemic, many of us, if not all of us, had more free time because we were forced to, and yet we became more tired. Like, we had all this extra free time, and for some reason we were deeply, internally exhausted. And what I would argue is that we were, we were picking the fruit not of the Spirit, but we were consuming the fruit of what the sword produces. The, the, the concern and the worry. And see, we were pressed, we were pushed in that moment, and, and it started to reveal cracks in our armor. It started to reveal what we put our hope in, what we put our joy in. It started to reveal what we were. And for many of us, we found out we were hoping and, and banking on our circumstances, on our finances, on our jobs. And it put the pressure on us and it drained us because we found out what we wielded with the sword, our circumstances, our situation, only yielded more fear, more anxiety, more worry. That it didn't, it didn't do what this fruit is supposed to do, and that is satisfy our soul. And the goal would be that when the storm comes, when the pressure comes, when we're pressed on every side, when we're crushed, what would come out of us is more joy, more peace, because that's what we've put into ourselves. That's the way that we've always chosen, not dependent on circumstances, but dependent on the direction God has called us and the faithfulness of what He's done in our life already and who He is. See, because in this, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That, that this, this weight is not from God. This, this presence of the world that's kind of falling apart around us. That, that anxiety is, is, if you choose, is the sword. If you make decisions... Based on that, you are only going to wield the sword. So, so what I want you to get is the difference between the two. If I have all of these negative emotions that come up and I, and I react based on fear, if I react based on anxiety, if, I, if my decisions are made based on those negative emotions, then it's only wielding the sword. It will only ever be the sword. But if I stop for a moment and I wield the, the, the power of the cross... And I stop for a moment and I, and I step back and I assess, like, what would love do? Or what Andy Stanley says, what does love require of me? What, what would it do if I, if I stepped back for a moment and got the peace of God in my life, then made a decision? We talked about this a little bit in, uh, in one of our midweeks. Uh, and that is that, that I, I don't want you to get the idea, based on this scripture, that that fear in general or those negative emotions aren't necessarily from God because there's a place for them in our lives. We're supposed to have them in our life. See, what, like, 
for instance, let me give you an example. My son, yesterday, we were at a swimming pool. My son is two, and he can't swim. If your son is two and he can swim, good job. I, mine can't. He sinks straight to the bottom. And so we're, we're, ha- we're playing, and we take his life vest off So while I'm in there and let him go under, and he loves it. And for whatever reason, all the good things God put in my son, fear was not one of them. Like he just left fear out of his life. He's not scared of anything, has no concerns. And so jumping in the pool all day long, he'll be glad to just jump in. No, no live vest on. He goes under, he comes up coughing. It's fine. I'll just do it again. It'll be fine. He's excited. And so we're like, listen, I need you to understand, do not get in this pool. So he does it one more time where he jumps in without somebody being ready for him to jump in. I mean, we're in the pool. He's safe. But he and my wife grabs him and is like, all right, you know, stern mom talk. Like, listen here. You've got you to get out of that pool. You don't jump in until the person's ready for you. It's going to hurt you. It's going to be bad. Don't do it. And his response, okay, okay, okay. So we're like, he's getting it. He's registering. Second she let him go, straight around the other side, jumps in the pool. Zero fear. Not fear for his mother. Not fear for his father. Not fear for the drowning that could exist when he jumps in that pool. And so what I want you to know is that fear is good. Like the scripture tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That there is a place in which God has produced fear in us and allowed us to know fear, this know that something is wrong, right? It, for instance, we wouldn't know that something is wrong unless we have negative emotions to associate to get them fixed. It's how you fix them that matters, right? So if, you're in, if you're in an ungodly relationship and you feel conviction and you feel sad about something's going wrong in this and you realize it's not the relationship God has called you to be in and you're doing the relationship not God's way, That emotion is there from God for you to turn to him and go, which way do you want me to do it? Because I want your joy. I want your peace. If if every time we spend money, we start to see that our bank account is in the red and we're in debt and we're paying 20 percent and 30 percent interest on credit card debt because we want things to fulfill ourselves. And then we get more and more stressed. So we buy more and more things to fulfill that thing. And then we keep doing it. The negative emotion of the stress and the anxiety of that debt is good and necessary to teach us, stop. <laughs> stop spending more than we make, right? Go back to God and say, what's your way? What, what would joy and peace and love teach me to do, right? The difference is this, and this is the quote we had from the midweek, is that the negative emotions, fear and anger, the negative emotions are good indicator lights, but they're not good decision makers. They're like the, the, the check engine light on your car, They're fantastic to tell you something's wrong, but that check engine light does not tell you how to fix it. It doesn't say which mechanic you should go to. It doesn't say which new part you need. It doesn't send you a link. That would be a cool invention. It doesn't send you a link to the brand new part that's going to fix what's going out. It just tells you something is wrong, and you got to go to the maker to find out how to fix it. And for some of us, we want to make decisions out of the emotion rather than going back to the right emotion to make the decision. See, the feeling that was negative, the anger, like there's righteous anger. Scripture says to be angry and sin not. There is a righteous anger. Let me be clear. Jesus is the one that flips over tables. There is a righteous anger that exists. It's just deciding whether you're going to make a decision off of the negative emotion or go back to the fruit of the spirit and plant the seeds and produce the fruit that you're called to produce. Do you go back and assess, like, let me take a step back. I'm not going to take a, and make a decision off of this fear, off of this anxiety. I'm going to make a decision out of the place of love and out of joy and out of peace. The way that, that might play out for some of us 
is like we have a, like a, a situation in our marriage, right? A, a loud discussion, as my grandparents used to call it. You have a situation in your marriage, and you're, you're hurt, you're upset, and you need them to know what you did hurt me, what you said hurt me. It's time to let them know, right? It's time to be like set them straight, let them see how it. That's the anxiety and the fear that you're not being treated right. And if you choose to have the conversation out of that fear and out of that anxiety, how has that played out for you married folks? Not well, right? But I'm hurt. You did this to me and you said that to me. How dare you? You know, that's messed up. But if you take a step back and you say, you know what? I'm going I'm to calm myself. I, may, may, I might need to get into a moment of worship before God before I have this conversation. I might need to go for a drive and calm, cool my jets, if you will. I might need to take a moment and wait till I can get to a place of love, a place of joy, a place of peace, and then have a conversation and say, you know what? Well, you said hurt my feelings. And I know that you're, you're my spouse and I love you and that we're in this together. But when you did that, it hurt. Those, the, the same outcome you're desiring, but from a different place. But from, from, the, from the fruit of the Spirit has a different outcome because that fight initially from fear and anxiety and worry and anger only is going to produce you know what I'm talking about in your marriage. More fear, more anxiety, more worry. You're going to feel less heard. You're going to be more frustrated. And you're going to walk away wondering, why didn't that work? Because you made the decision off of the negative emotion rather than stepping back and feeling the fruit of the Spirit and feeling the presence of God direct and choosing the way of the cross. See, because the sword makes decisions off of fear and anxiety and stress and worry. The, 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 the crazy part about how it works is that it produces in on itself. It's, it's, it's crazy to think you're trying to fix it, but you're only making it worse. And even if you're really good, here's the trick that Satan has for us. Even if you're really good, let's say you're good at the sword, and your spouse listens to you, your kids listen to you, your job listens to you, you got lots of money. And you're like real good with the sword, and you can convince everybody because you're sharp. You, got, you like basically have a law degree without getting the degree because you got everybody at your beck and call. Even if you get the best of the best on the sword, what it leads to is more worry and more concern that you might lose it. What a trip is that? I got really good at wielding the sword, but now I'm only more worried and more concerned and more afraid that I might lose the power that I already have. Even in the times where we have the goodness of God, sometimes we go back to the, to the negative emotion and are concerned, I'm not good enough for this. I'm not, I don't deserve this. Sometimes you, you've worked your tail off to get up, to up the ladder and you're starting to make the salary that you've, you've dreamed of and then you're worried, I don't deserve this. I'm going to have to work 12 hours, 14 hours a day to deserve this goodness that I've got and you'll lose your family and your spouse in the process because you're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week and you're not at home. All because you made a decision based on the fear and the worry that you're not good enough and that you don't deserve that. When in reality, if you'd have stepped back for a moment, you'd have said, I was never good enough. I never deserved it. Guess what, Satan? That's what Jesus came for. That I was not good enough and I will never be good enough. And so instead of a place of worry or concern or fear, you go to a place of gratitude. A place of a sound mind where you say, yeah, I wasn't good back then. I wasn't good now. It was only Jesus who was good in me. So I didn't deserve it then. I don't deserve it now. Guess what? I'm in a good place because God is good, not because I'm good. The difference between the negative emotions and the good emotions are, are the, the fruits of the spirit is the difference between the way we choose to fight. We're either choosing the sword out of the negative emotions because that's the only way it fights or you're choosing the cross out of the fruits of the spirit. 
This week even, uh, one of our staff members uh, created a post or had a conversation on a post on social media. And uh, when I went through the run-through, he said I could share this. Uh, but in that moment, I was like, I don't, I don't feel like that was a very loving thing to, to say. He's like, well, I, yeah, but it was right. It needed to be said. You know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about whenever you talk about people on social media. But it was right. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like, are you worried about being right or are you worried about being loving? It sounds like you're concerned in this post, in this moment, to prove them wrong and to be right because you're afraid and you're worried and you have anxiety that they might be wrong and you might not be hurt. You have fear. You have worry that that if we don't speak out, something's not going to change. And so you make the decision out of that worry rather than the same post, just like before, where you step back, you get to a place of peace and you choose to love both sides. You choose to speak in a way that stands up for those that are oppressed and loves the oppressor in the same breath. And there's a passage in uh, in Matthew chapter five. It's a part of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And and that passage sounds like kind of warm and fuzzy when you first hear it. You're like, "Ooh, yeah, I want to be a peacemaker. But we don't what we don't grasp out of that reality is what it costs us to be a peacemaker, what it costs us to be a child of God. It sounds nice to be a peacemaker until you're in the middle and you choose to love both sides. That that when Jesus showed us the way of the cross, it wasn't showing us an easier way because it's actually easier temporarily to wield the sword. It's easier temporarily to, to, to get control and to fix our circumstances, but it doesn't have eternal consequences. But the way Jesus showed us was to love both sides, to, to stand up for what's right, but do it in a way that communicates love to both sides. What I mean was is that on and, and the reason that I'm, I'm kind of I'm carrying a weight for, for closing this out in a way that you can practically gauge whether or not you're about to wield the sword of the cross is so that you can be cross bearers. And when we say cross bearers, it's not like a, a one time I do it, one time I say a prayer. But every single day he says, pick up my cross daily. And what Jesus did was, was on one hand, that nail that held him up, held up the Pharisees. The, the oppressors, the one that, that led people astray, the one that abused people with their religious laws, the ones that hurt people. And on the other side, as a peacemaker, on this side and this nail, were the ones that were oppressed and the ones that were hurt. And you know what the, the role of that as a peacemaker was? He was spit on by both sides. That, that the same people that he was sitting around healing, the same people he said, you know what, go and sin no more. The same people he said, rise up and walk. None of them were around him cheering him on while he's on that cross. And Jesus said, forgive them, talking about the Pharisees, they don't understand what they're doing. And I've already shown forgiveness to the rest, and where are they at? Where, where are the ones that I'm standing up for? Where are the ones that were oppressed? No, no, they ran off. And they cursed you, and they said, crucify him too. They were in the crowd. Not one stood up. And so the weight, the weight of the peace bearer, the weight of being a child of God, is the weight that will crush you. Because the only way you get the, the juice from the fruit is when the fruit is crushed. And it will crush you. It will crush you. And the, the, the reason it will crush you is because the, 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 the Jesus was crushed so that other people could come to know him. And we will be crushed so that when we pour out, all they see in us is the fruit of the Spirit. 
all they see in us is real love, real joy, real peace, real patience. That when we're crushed, the world can know that God is good because we'll stand in the middle and we'll, we'll, love, we'll love both sides and they'll both hate us for it. We'll choose to speak in a way that stands for justice and stands for righteousness and also speaks in love for both sides because that's what Jesus did. The way of the cross isn't the easy way. It's actually the more difficult way, but it's the way that's most effective. And the reason you're, the reason you're crushed and the reason it will crush you and the reason that in this moment, for many of us, we're checking out from the world. We're like, we're like I, I, I'm not even going to turn on the news anymore because I can't stand it. I, I'm not going to get on social media. I'm going to start unfollowing friends that disagree with me. I'm going to get away from it all because the world seems like it's falling apart and it's crushing us. And instead of being crushed, we run. Instead of being crushed and letting it break us and letting us show us the, the hurt and the pain that God has for the world, we run. But I want to challenge you this. That that crushing, that, that burden that God has laid on us crushes us to the place where we're reminded how much we need God. That we were never called to do this alone. That, par- that picking up our cross was never something we were able to do without Him. And that, that squeezing of us forces us to go back to the place of love. Go back to the place of the cross and say, Jesus, I, n- I need you in this moment. I, n- I, can't, I can't handle the, the oppression of, of our African-American brothers and sisters who are hurting and are yearning for, for justice. And I can't handle the police force that is feeling the pressure of that and the weight of that and the blame for that. I can't handle both in the middle. I can't handle the confusion of the pandemic and some wearing masks and some not and the guilt of not doing it and the guilt of doing it, all of the things in between. I can't handle the weight of this world. And Jesus is telling us, I know. That's why I bore it for us. That's why I carried the weight of this world for us. And so when you're crushed, you know to come back to me. That, that my, my grandfather used to have a saying that, that if, if your plans are small enough to complete on your own, then they're not big enough to be God's plans. Let's say that again. If your plans are small enough to be completed by you alone, they're not big enough to be God's plans. Because God's plans all, always require us to be broken in a place where we always are dependent on Him. And we're always in recognition of what He has done for us and how much we need Him. And the world will break and we'll be the peacemakers. The world will crush us and we'll still choose to be the peacemaker, to carry the weight of those who are oppressed and those who oppress. We will carry the weight of those who are feeling the weight of this world crushing down on them and still will carry the weight. We won't disengage, but we'll step up. And we'll speak in love and joy and peace because that's the way of the cross. Let me pray for us. God, in this moment, I pray that we would have a good barometer, a good gauge inside of our spirit on exactly the moments that we're called to respond and the moments we're called to wait. The moments we're called to just take a step back and wait till we get your peace before responding. The moments we're called to step back in conversations or on social media or in real life and we just say, you know what? I'm, not, I'm, I'm about to pick up the sword and we'll stop for a moment and we'll seek your face and we'll be dependent on you and we'll care more about representing you than we'll care about being right. And we'll care more about your love going out into this world than we'll care about making sure everybody knows which side we're on or which side we're not on because God, the, the peacemakers will stand in the middle like you stood in the middle and we'll love both. 
will love the hurts and the pains. God will love the people who are hurting and the people that are in pain. will love the people who are causing the pain. And God will try to reach both. In Jesus' name, amen. In this moment, uh, this, this message series is intended to be uh, specifically challenging because we're so addicted to the way of the sword. It's so naturally addictive to pick this up and to want to be right and to want to, to go the way of the sword. It's the way that it's in our nature. And so it's challenging, and I recognize that. So we've been deciding to end differently. So if you're in this moment where you're wrestling, you're confused, you're frustrated, maybe even from the series, maybe you're like, wait a minute, Jared, this is crazy. I heard this from another preacher. I'm here to have a conversation. I'm going to stay as everybody's leaving here in just a second. I'm going to stay up here and I'd love to have a conversation, especially if you're in the moment where God is sparking something on your heart and you're recognizing you've never laid down your metaphorical sword. You've never said, I won't follow my way, but I'll follow your way. You've never committed to accepting Jesus' forgiveness of your sins on that cross and choosing to follow him with your life. If that's you, I would love the opportunity to pray with you and help lead you in that prayer to commit your life to following him no matter the cost with everything you've got in you.